You're listening to Smash the Bottom Line with Maddie Brown. This is Maddie Brown with Smash the Bottom Line, and I'm excited today to share with you Neil Parker, who has been an entrepreneur from a very young age and has done some wonderful, exciting things in in the business world. And so I want to share with you how he has been successful and what his secrets are for really meeting and exceeding expectations. Hi, Neil. Hi, Maddie. Thank you uh, for the wonderful introduction. It's really a pleasure to be on the podcast with you today. Awesome. So tell us, tell us how you got started in business. Well, it's a pretty simple, uh, pretty simple way to answer that question. When I was 12 at my high school, uh, the classmates were all talking about the cars that their parents were going to purchase for them. So uh, one evening when I had gotten home from school, I actually asked my dad what kind of car he would be buying me when I turned 16. And his answer to me was, whatever you can afford. So that was my first inspiration to get out there and start earning money. Um, And it uh, led me to my first job, which was a caddy. So at the age of 13, I began carrying golf bags. I think I was about the size of a golf bag and Uh often didn't make it past about the seventh or eighth hole. Usually I would be with a pair and uh, somebody would feel, I don't know, sorry, or they would just ultimately end up letting me ride on the cart. But my real um, start in business uh, was also a little bit later that year, um, also at the age of 13, when I started my first business, which was a DJ company. And to my surprise, uh, after researching this, the website I created 21 years ago is still online for that DJ company. Uh, And that starting that company led to a truly amazing experience and the experience which I'll just briefly get into played a huge role in really my belief that anything is possible as long as you put your mind to it and don't give up. Uh, persistence really is the key factor to success. So to, to give you the really short version of this, the company I started was a DJ company and I quickly decided that I would love to be a nightclub DJ in New York City. I lived at the time in Westchester, which was about 30 to 40 minutes out of the city. So after spending a couple of years practicing in my bedroom, uh, once I felt I was skilled enough uh, to be playing up there with my idols at these clubs in the city, I created a demo tape and spent 
I think around a year and a half sending this demo. Uh, I believe it was actually a, a real tape because I'm 34, so about 21 years ago. I don't think I was on the blank CDs yet. And after a year or a year and a half, with no responses, I went back to the drawing board and thought to myself, this is what I want to do. This is my dream. How am I going to accomplish this? Because I know I'm good enough, but for whatever reason, no matter how many CDs or tapes I was sending out, it just wasn't working. And at that time in New York City, uh, the way you knew a DJ was famous or famous in that uh, circle was their DJ name would be printed on these really big flyers. Um, they're often referred to as rave flyers or club flyers. So I came up with the idea of coming up with putting my name at the time, DJ Quest, on a flyer that I would create right next to two well-known DJs and figured if the average club goer saw that my name was next to two known entities, they would instantly assume that I was uh, on the same level. So uh, just again, I could probably tell this story for quite a, a long time, but to keep it short, what I ended up doing was saving all of the money that I had. I rented out a, a VFW hall. And for those of you listening, if you don't know what that is, it's basically uh, just a big empty space um, that uh, volunteer firemen use to hang out and I guess prepare themselves for uh, fires. And they're also associated with some small events. So I rented out this space. I hired two well-known DJs from New York City. I then uh, put my name, DJ Quest, right in the middle of their names. Uh, and those names, um, for anybody who's listening, if you were a fan, um, about uh, 18 or 19, 20 years ago, uh, the DJ names were Circuit Breaker and Johnny Fame. Um, I don't think they're still around to this day, but I hired them and I also hired a sound and lighting company uh, to make this volunteer fire hall into a nightclub. And I chose a company very specifically uh, the company I chose to do the sound and lighting also did club events. So my hope was that when they would come to set up all of their equipment and the sound and the lighting, that maybe somebody from the management would come along and uh, they would see me or hear me DJ and um, realize or uh, 
see the talent that I believed that I had, and that would hopefully segue to my career as a DJ. Uh, now, three months leading up to the event, I spent um, every Friday and Saturday going to the city and standing outside of clubs, nightclubs, as they were closing at four in the morning, handing out my flyer. Uh, I called the event Pump It Up. I still have uh, photos of this flyer. Maybe we can get it included in the um, article that will end up being posted. And it all worked out. Um, the company that I hired to do the sound and lighting, the owner had showed up mainly out of curiosity because the event was taking place in Westchester, about 40 miles out of the city, which is a pretty uncommon place to have an event of that type. And while the owner did not listen to me DJ, and that was my main focus, I had told him exactly when I would be playing and really hoped he'd be listening. Um, I went up to him at the end of the night and asked him, and he said, uh, you know, I didn't hear the set, but how did you do? And I thought he was asking me how I did uh, as a DJ, but he was really asking me if I had made money with the event. Wow. So once once that was cleared up um, and I had to let him know that I had actually made a profit, he literally said to call him the next day. and. From that point on, I started a career as DJ Quest and got to DJ for crowds of thousands. Um, at one time, even uh, got to DJ right after my idol, my childhood idol, who at that point, he might as well have been Jay-Z for me. Um, so it was a truly amazing experience. Um, I ended my career as DJ Quest in my very early 20s after a year as the resident DJ at the Ultra Lounge on Saturday nights. And one thing my parents instilled in me from a very young age was that you could do anything you wanted to do. And for me, being a nightclub DJ or a rave DJ alongside these other DJs that I had idolized seemed so far-fetched. It, it really was almost unattainable um, or felt out of reach, just like I would relate it to somebody aspiring to be a musician and hoping that one day they get to play at Madison Square Garden. It, it really had that much of a, uh, it had that much weight and it, it felt like that big of uh, a task. And achieving that just solidified that even though I had spent a year and a half with no success um, sending out all of these tapes and CDs, that with persistence and innovation, 
anything really was possible. And, and that has played a, a, a really big factor in um, a, a lot of the accomplishments that I've achieved since. Well, I think that is awesome. It's interesting. Um, I hadn't thought of it from this perspective, but um, when I was a very small child, my father set me on a mission of making money, and my 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 mission was to soap saddles for the other horse owners in the barns. And so I I went around soaping saddles for for a living at starting at about at seven or eight o'clock, eight seven or eight age. In the morning I, or no? Oh. At the age of seven and eight, I was soaping saddles for the. My mother well, Maddie, I, I just have to interject for one second because this is kind of a coincidence. My mother taught uh, dressage, which is a form of riding. Yeah. So a, a big part of my childhood was actually spent at barns. Um, I wasn't making any money um, taking care of the, the saddles. Um, I was mainly running around and uh, just trying to not get stepped on by a horse. Yeah. But uh, that's uh, quite a, a coincidence. Yeah, my father, my father was a jockey on the thoroughbred racetrack, and he oh wow he he thought that you know if I wanted to have a horse at the barn, that I should be responsible for that horse, and that required mm -hmm. money. And so I learned very early that you need to have persistence. I agree with you, and you need to take action, and I agree with you. And it is that what is, leads to success, and it instills an attitude about how things get done in the world. It really does. And um, one thing that I'm just realizing I didn't mention is I did end up buying a car at 16. Um, it was a 1997 Ford Probe, and it was by far not the coolest car in the world. Um, growing up in Westchester, uh, it was a fairly well-off county. So... The majority of my classmates were driving around in brand new cars purchased for them uh, by their parents, which at that time, um, up until I had bought my Ford Probe, which is about the best name for a car you could think of, um, I really was jealous that they were getting these cars just given to them and they were at the lunch table talking about whether they're going to get leather on the seats or, you know, what type of options. And all the while, I'm thinking, I need to get uh, home from school so I can walk to the deli to make some money so when I'm 16, I can buy a car. And I think at that point, I might have even been frustrated with both my father uh, for feeling like he was doing me a disservice by not 
buying me a car like all of the other parents uh, were doing and that I, I had to go leave school and, and go work. Uh, and this again is at a very young age. I think, um, at 14, I had to apply to work, uh, legally, um, using working papers. Um, <clears throat> but the, the gratification uh, that I felt when I bought my first car with my own money and I knew it was mine, I, I just, it was hard to describe. And then in, in the parking lot at school, I would watch um, my peers or classmates. I was, by the way, not um, particularly popular back then, which was also a motivating factor, I think, for a lot of the things that I've done. Um, but they would treat their cars as if they really didn't care for them or care if they got dented or if they were dirty. And meanwhile, I was treating my Ford probe like it was a Ferrari. Um, and I just kind of really, at that point, it, it clicked the, um, the feeling of working for something and reaching that goal and earning it and, and the satisfaction derived. Um, it's just, it, it was a, that was a gift my father had given me. I don't think it was intentional. I think he just didn't want to buy me a car, but um, it really was a gift because it, it just ingrained in me from a very young age that you need to work for what you want. Um, and in my 20s, uh, I began making uh, what I considered to be a lot of money. and. I think I leased five or six Mercedes in the span of 10 years. And now at 34, looking back on that, um, I feel fortunate that I got that part out of my system because uh, at 13, it was very, or 16, it was very easy to equate success with a uh whether it was a dollar amount or a type of car or a watch. Um, and those are all nice things. I think I like to say money is life's lubricant. <laughs> it kind of makes things a bit easier. But um, for me, uh, after a certain point, money was no longer my driving force. Um, so how do you how do you define success? Ooh, that's a tough question, Maddie. Um, I think that my definition of success has certainly changed through the years. Um, right now, I uh, would just define success um, as as living a life that you feel good about and knowing when you are actually happy 
And what I mean by that is I used to also kind of chase happiness. And I think the more you chase that, the more elusive it is. And it took me a while, but I finally realized that some of my happier moments were when I was not flying to South Africa or doing some really cool thing that um, back then I would have probably posted on Instagram. Um, but it was just the moments where I was really enjoying exactly what I was doing and not thinking about what I needed to do next or what I would like to make this experience better. I was just content. So I think that that plays, that's, uh, I know I, I strayed a bit <laughs> from your question, but um, I think that happiness and success do go hand in hand and that um, there's probably not one definition of success. I think uh, it's uh, something that everybody needs to kind of figure out for themselves. Yeah. So what kind of mindset and skill set do you think is foundational to being an entrepreneur and, and being successful in business? Well, uh, that's a great question. <laughs> and I don't know that I have an immediate answer. But I do believe that an entrepreneur is probably ingrained in you. Um, I'm a very self-motivated person. And I've started now at the old age of 34 to reflect on exactly what motivates me. Um, and I do think that I have drilled it down a bit. Um, I, I know that I get a great deal of satisfaction from playing a role at a company and, and seeing the work that I put in make an impact on that business in a positive way. And I really am passionate about learning and I think most people and I'm going to use a, a phrase uh, that's mostly associated with eating but I'm going to use it for for business here I live to work in a lot of senses as opposed to work to live if that makes sense like I really, business is a passion of mine and I've been fortunate to work in a number of different industries. And regardless of the industry, from my experience now at 34, what I can say is that the, the core fundamentals of what makes a successful business are probably gonna be pretty consistent regardless of the industry and 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 some of those fundamentals really just circle back to principles and um and and thinking long term not short term in the sense that i've seen 
many businesses where there's a lot of money coming in and uh, the owners or the founders like to take that money that's coming in and put it in their pockets. And, and, and that's, um, that's fine. But I think for if you want your business to really grow and reach its fullest potential, you need to think about things uh, in, a, in a bit more of a long-term sense. And sacrifice plays a big role in everything that we've discussed so far in this conversation. Um, just going back to uh, you mentioning the time that you were spending um, taking care of the saddles. You know, you were, in a sense, sacrificing time that you could have been just hanging out or playing. Um, and for me, um, I know that I've made sacrifices uh, to um, be able to perform at a high level. Uh, you need to continue to absorb information. And my current uh, role is the Director of Business Development at Do You Remember, which is a publishing company similar to BuzzFeed, but um, significantly smaller from a revenue standpoint um, and also geared towards a, a different audience. But the publishing industry, um, and I've only spent uh, about a year and 11 months in it, um, it's not in the best shape these days. And um, if you stay up to date on the industry publications, you'll often read of layoffs and um, companies even declaring bankruptcy. And what has kept you remember not only um, alive, but uh, last year, uh, we grew uh, 117% over year over year. Um, and that just really comes back to sacrifice and persistence and hard work and the belief in yourself that you can accomplish uh, what you set your mind to. I, I think I use, a, I use another word than sacrifice. And, and okay. what I... What I typically call it is you have the choice. You have the choice, and you can choose to take various actions, and every action you take has a reaction and causes movement in your life. And right. you're, you're, trading, you're trading your time and your energy for a different result. And when you when you keep conscious about the choices that you make, you do that in consideration of the results that you want to get. So when you were a young young man as a DJ, you make choices, and you, they they were important to you and guided you and took you where you are. And so it's not so much sacrifice in a negative sense, but a, but as a choice 
in how you live and what you do. Yes, and and I have to say I agree with everything you you said, but um, I would be giving myself too much credit to say that I actually was always making that conscious decision. Um, I think now at 34, um, I'm able to evaluate uh, my decisions in terms of career goals or opportunities that present themselves, whereas for a, a good portion of my adult life, I was just moving forward. <laughs> and I think that the reason that I use the word sacrifice is that in my quest, <laughs> um, and it's funny because uh, back in the day, that was my DJ name, but in my quest to just perpetually um, achieve bigger goals and at, at one point even uh, money was a big factor and uh, that was another thing that I was kind of keeping score of and my desire to make more money each year um, and there were sacrifices and they were rather unintentional um, and I only realize it now when I reflect back on it. But I'm very fortunate to have a few really amazing close friends who I spent a lot of time with in my early 20s. But then when I got uber focused on my career, I really chose work all the time over whatever alternative was presented. And I also don't know how conscious of a decision that was either. Um, but those friends, uh, to this day, I'm, you know, still in touch with them. I actually just visited one of them. I'm going to say, give him a shout out. Uh, Fish is what I call him, uh, but his uh, first name is Dave. I just visited him and his new wife in uh, West Palm Beach over the weekend and had a meeting in Miami on Monday. And now I'm back in freezing cold New York. Um, but, uh, you know, those friends really made a great effort in keeping in contact. And balance is a word you hear a lot in business. And... I did not understand what it meant in my 20s, um, but I'm now understanding in my 30s, and, and that's why I'm very appreciative uh, for the, my friends who've uh, stuck in with me and, uh, you know, made the effort to reach out because I know this podcast is about business and the bottom line, um, but if you're not happy, I don't think the bottom line matters. So um, there will be times if you're an entrepreneur when you have to be selfish because to be an entrepreneur, 
means you're somebody who is a passionate person that is driven and has an idea or a goal or a vision, and you're going to do what you need to do to achieve that. And in doing that, consciously or not, you're going to make some selfish decisions. Um, and those are important to, to achieve a high level of success. Um, you don't see any um, Fortune 500 executives um, that, uh, you know, are hanging out at the beach all day, every day, or accept every invite to a wedding or a party or a night out. Um, you know, I believe that a lot of them, uh, if any are listening, will probably relate that um, sometimes there's uh, even a lonely aspect to being an entrepreneur because sometimes part of the fight is that people don't necessarily believe in your vision. And uh, that's where you have to prove your concept. And uh, now we call it a POC because we like to abbreviate things these days. Yeah. But um, I know I'm dragging a little off topic here, Maddie. So why don't you no. reel me back in? Well, you know, you said something something that came to my mind and, and is very congruent with what I believe is actually that happiness is the bottom line. Well, I could not agree with you more, but if happiness is your goal, I think that's a hard goal to achieve yeah. if it's something that you pursue in the way that you would pursue a business venture. Right. Or at least the way that I would go about pursuing something. And um, just to kind of expand on that, I I really was chasing happiness for a long time. And I don't think you go through five Mercedes in your 20s if you're not chasing something. Um, but, uh, you know, what makes me happy now is, is different. And I think that's just part of growing up and um, probably lucky at 34 that I don't have that uh, those material desires anymore. But I also did get a lot of the national system and yeah. had a lot of good times too. Yeah. Some of those wouldn't be appropriate for this conversation. One of one of one of my foundation things that I that I say to people on a regular basis is money isn't the most important thing but it touches everything that is. And in order to be innately happy, you've got to have the money to live the life that you desire. And so your business has to support the life that you desire so that you can be happy. Well, I, I definitely think that there is a correlation between not having money and being unhappy. But I'm not so sure that there's a direct correlation between having money and happiness. But I will say, and I think I may have used this one before, um, money 
is life's lubricant. It having it does make things easier, and to have enough income to the point that you're not uh, stressed about bills or your bank account. I mean, that's really a blessing, and not a lot of people um, have that uh, that fortunate. Um, experience of not having to worry about money and I knew from a very young age that I was going to have to support myself um, you know although I grew up in a, in a wealthy area um, it was made very clear to me that uh, you know I was very much uh, on my own and to that fact I paid for my own college and I was had moved out by the time I was 18. I know things are, are different now. And I think I might even sound like an old man saying that. And I'm only 34. But uh, just kind of watching uh, the shift in the workforce and uh, how new technologies play a role in, in business and job creation. Um, it, it, it is interesting, um, but I'm going to now, for a second time, Maddie, ask you to reel me back in because I do have uh, a tendency to wander off with my thoughts sometimes. Well, no, it's interesting to see where these conversation goes. And, and I, I think, you know, you've talked about setting goals and you've talked about being innovative and you've talked about being persistent and making choices that take you where you want to go and making decisions and all of those things are really incredibly valuable in in business and in life in general um, so when tell me a little bit more about the company that you're working with um, sure. So, uh, so do you remember, uh, and you can check us out online, um, do you remember.com? We're a, a digital publishing company. We have a vast Facebook audience, uh, across our pages and groups. I believe we have about 12 million active, um, fans, uh, and they engage with our content about uh, 15 to 20 million times a week. Wow. I know last year we did over a billion video views, which is a pretty crazy number to think about. Um, but when I started there, um, Do You Remember was uh, a company that had started in 2013. So I'm just uh, approaching my two year work anniversary, so to speak. But Michael, the founder, uh, came up with the name because he had published the book, uh, I believe in the 90s, called Do You Remember? And it was about nostalgia. And he had raised um, over a million dollars for the company um, and had a goal to turn it into some sort of nostalgia, social networking um, site or app. Um, but by the time I got there, that 
hadn't worked out and <laughs> there was also no money left. Um, so I really, it was, I think, lucky for me and uh, lucky for the company because I was looking for my next project or challenge, uh, so to speak. And while I had no experience in publishing industry, I did have the core confidence that uh, my drive and my hunger for knowledge would kind of make up for any lack of experience. And then I also had the benefit of the company couldn't really have been doing worse. <laughs> so there was only, it could only go up. Um, and I think I, I must have started April of 2017. And in that first, uh, I guess that's about nine months, the company went from no money to a self-sustaining, uh, profitable business. Um, you know, with uh, we had acquired other uh, Facebook pages, so we had grown our audience tremendously. The website went from a million page views in a month to 10 million page views a month. And we did it really quickly. And it made me look really good. <laughs> but uh, part of that was just because there was a lot of uh, dots that weren't connected. So 2018, ending the year up 117% from that previous year where we had, you know, pretty instantly been able to put the ship back together, um, that is kind of, so, so 2018 I'm really proud of and we have an amazing team and, uh, we're really a full-blown publishing company now. And when I got there, it was a Facebook page and a website. <laughs> so we're much more than that. We have a wonderful editorial team of writers, Jane, Lauren, Anna. There are a few that I'll just name. And then Nick. Uh, he does video, Paris, our social media guy, Michael, uh, the founder, who um, had, uh, you know, came up with the name for the whole thing and was able to raise the money um, that, uh, that they spent uh, trying to accomplish something. And, and most startups spend money and don't accomplish um they're what they initially set out to. Um, I think that it was really great for me to be in a situation at a company that didn't have capital because I had to be super resourceful and I had to make very strategic partnerships and also sell these partners who were effectively um, uh, providing us services in hopes that we would 
um, make good on my promises or I would make good on, on the goals and promises that I had set. And, you know, uh, those initial partners, uh, played a huge role. And I set some really high goals, uh, for the company. And really probably worked, um, 12 to 16 hours a day, six to seven days a week, that entire first year. Um, and I'm still working, uh, not as much, but, but, uh, pretty close. Um, because to, if you're ever complacent in business, I think you're probably on your way out because I firmly believe complacency kills businesses. And, um, while I knew nothing about the publishing business or editorial staffs or how that was, how to even structure an editorial team, uh, but I did have to hire them. Uh, so I think that there was some luck involved in hiring some really great people and, also, um, one thing I'll always say about luck, because I do believe that it, there is a luck factor in, in a lot of things with life. But in order to take advantage of that moment, uh, that, that lucky opportunity hits you, you need to have the skills and the knowledge to really um, extract as much as possible from that that moment of chance or luck. So really, my at uh, the time that I started, I'd been technically working for 19 years of my life, and at the time, uh, I guess then was. Uh, 32 or 30, yeah, 32. Um, so all of whether it was my job at Dunkin' Donuts, which was a short job, or carrying a, a bag for somebody, uh, their golf bag at 13, or being the managing partner of uh, two medium-sized businesses in Westchester that serviced 1,000-plus events a year, all of those experiences make me who I am today. And um, I think that if I was to rest on those experiences and say, okay, well, I have this experience, so now I'm fine, um, we probably, do you remember, might not have had the same trajectory. Um, so it was, I think, from those experiences, understanding that I needed to put in those hours and to, in this instance, make a sacrifice for the business because I saw the potential. And um, it's a profitable business now and um, could very well, uh, I'm not, not that we have plans of selling the business, but um, you know, it, it uh, in a couple of years, it could make for a very nice exit. Excellent. That is 
that is inspiring. I I think I think you took action, and I think you're right that you need team and you need partners and you need people in your life because you do very few things on your own in reality. And you, one thing that I've heard and and you know, hire people that are smarter than you are to do mm. things to do things. Yes. <laughs> I uh, am a big believer in that, and but to to really be able to do that, I think you need to know what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are, and I think that's another big proponent proponent of creating a successful business because that would also translate to tasks and responsibilities in the sense that. Um, you need to know when to delegate a task or when to sub something out for the business as opposed to in-house it. Um, and all of those decisions, um, you know, if you make enough right ones and you learn from the mistakes uh, when you make a wrong uh, or poor decision, uh, you'll find yourself in in a good situation, most likely. And and if you don't, my advice would be is to not give up because unless you're five foot five and fifty and your dream is to be an NBA player, um, in that instance, I would tell you to probably just play basketball as a hobby. Um, but, uh, really outside of like a physical limitation, um, I really believe anything is possible. And if you, Maddie, were to say to me, uh, Neil, that, uh, you, uh, wanted to be the CEO of Coca-Cola, I would tell you, Maddie, that if you really believe that, that I would believe that that's a possibility and with persistence and, and hard work and innovation um you'll get there or you'll get very close and you'll have learned a lot along the way and you'll at the very least have a job offer from coca-cola <laughs> i agree with you so if if people would like to know more about you and what you do and and your philosophy where would they read well that's a good idea um well thanks for asking that and uh also just want to say thank you uh to everybody who's listening and um if you'd like to reach me i think the best place would be linkedin um my linkedin is linkedin.com slash n-e-a-l-p-a-r-k-e-r and the number one so it's linkedin slash neil parker one or you could probably just google neil parker business development and you'll see me i'm a relatively pale uh guy with a beard and not a lot of hair on the top of my head Okay. But still very attractive. All right. I well, might ask you to cut that part out. <laughs> uh, well, 
thank you, Neil. This has been really interesting, and I think you know persistence and taking action and being innovative and being willing to put in the time. All those things are valuable. Yeah, I mean, um, not, I was talking with a friend last night, and I know we have to wrap things up, but uh, we were just kind of uh, venting about various work things. And if you don't have anything to vent about, you're probably not. You don't care about your job enough, or maybe that's too much of a general statement. But um, I just mentioned to him, and it was something that he knew very well, that nothing that's really easy or that comes super quickly is ever going to feel as good or um, be as great as something that you really need to work for. Um, not to say that if, uh, you know, somebody came by with a briefcase with $20 million, I would uh, turn it down. Um, but I will promise you that I wouldn't be on the beach. Um, I might spend a little more time there, but uh, work, again, I'm, I think I'm fortunate that that's a passion of, of mine because no matter whether you like it or not, uh, the majority of people do need a job and they do need to work. And I feel so fortunate uh, to have, A, had all of the wonderful opportunities and experiences working in different industries. Um, I uh, consulted for Automatic, which is the parent company of WordPress, and got to do some incredible things there and really just... Uh, you know, at 34, I feel like I've lived a few lives, uh, but I'm extremely excited towards the future. And if there is one thing, um, and I know I've said it before, that I would just want to say to you, the listener, is to really just believe in, in yourself and know that failure is a part of success. And if you only had success, I don't think you'd be able to appreciate it as much as if uh, you uh, had it without the, uh, a slip-up or a failure along the way. I agree with that. Well, let's, let's wrap up, and I appreciate yep. you being here. Thank you very much. It has been awesome. Yes, Maddie, it's really been a pleasure speaking with you. And thank you so much for having me on Smash the Bottom Line. Um, and uh, just once again, if you did want to reach out to me, um, I'm sure you can find me uh, on our company's website, Do You Remember? That's doyourremember.com or linkedin.com slash Neil, N-E-A-L Parker 1. And uh, thank you for listening. Smash the Bottom Line is sponsored by Smashing Numbers. Discover how to get your accounting in order, escape the cash flow trap, and finally enjoy a profitable business. Find out how at smashingnumbers.com.